Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this morning, and thank you for Marie and the inspiration that she's given us, the words of truth and song that have touched our hearts and continue up as a aroma of praise to you. And Father, that's exactly what it's about, is Jesus. And this morning, we have come to worship him. And so I pray through the power of your spirit that we would listen. And that, Father, the words that are sung and the words that are spoken would touch our heart, be encouraging, inspiring, and challenging. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, welcome, welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Marie, thank you so much. I love that song. I love that song. If you are a very first-time guest with us today, we'd love for you to take the card that is in the pew in front of you. If you have not already filled one out, fill it out its entirety through the service, and when you get ready to leave today, you just drop it in one of our offering boxes. We would appreciate that. Right now, I'd like to, for us to stand, and let's continue our time of worship.
Father, Lord, we come to you. Father, first of all, we come to you to say thank you. Thank you, God, for loving us, loving us so much that you sent your own son to pay the price for our sins. And God, this morning, as we look at does Jesus really care about us, the answer is an absolute yes. And for that, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you, and God, we ask you to bless this time that we'll have open hearts, open minds, and open ears, Lord, to listen to the words that Dr. Kennedy has for us this morning as you speak through him. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You're singing beautifully this morning. Let's continue our worship by singing Shout to the Lord, all you. Thank you. 
Our scripture reading for this morning is from the book of John, chapter 11, verses 38 to 47. Please follow along as we share the verses. Jesus, once more deeply <coughs> moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. We are uplifted by the reading of these verses and are blessed knowing that these verses are the words of the Lord. Best that I could, 
my weaknesses prevail. But then I remember that promise he made, that in my weakness he is strong. Amen, right? <laughs> Women of Grace Ensemble, thank you so much. Leading us in this time of worship, the time of focus, on the last of the series of three messages on Does Jesus Care? It comes out of John chapter 11. What a powerful passage this has been, giving us understanding of, uh, of what Jesus was communicating, the the care that he gives us. Reflect back on Greek mythology. The Greeks created gods, a little g, in the image of humans. And they had uh, many human qualities, obviously, even though they were little g gods. The most famous were the 12 gods of Olympus. We find that these gods were constantly quarreling and fighting against each other, behaving irrationally, unfairly. They were jealous of each other. The Greek gods were highly emotional. They were inconsistent in their behavior, even to the point of immorality. When we think about the kinds of gods that humans create, they can never reach the pinnacle. But you see, it's different with the creator of the universe. We did not create him. Rather, he is the one who created us 
in his image. He desired fellowship with us. His character shows he cares for us because of all the religions of the world, he is the only one who came and sought us. In fact, the scripture tells us that Jesus came to seek and save his people from their sins. No other religion, no other little g God anywhere has ever done that. And we have seen Jesus caring over the last couple of weeks, acting with divine timing, always looking at his time rather than what our time is. And by giving the divine revealing of the person, as verse 25 in John chapter 11 says, Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life, revealing who he is and, and what he offers to each and every one of us. But the ultimate expression of Jesus' care is the undisputed demonstration of his power. The resurrection of Lazarus is the greatest demonstration of his power short of his own resurrection. In confronting our impossibilities, Jesus can demonstrate his power, expressing his amazing care for us. Three things I want to try to bring home this morning. First, Jesus cares by confronting the impossible. We certainly know our possibilities or what we think is impossible for us to do. Oftentimes, our response is, there's nothing else we can do. How many times have you said that or have you heard that? It's devastating in a hospital when the doctors have said there is nothing else we can do. But how many times have we personally said, I, I just can't do that? Even when God has communicated clearly to us. I think sometimes we might experience what Martha experienced. Here in this passage in verse 27, if you remember from last week, she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. This incredible statement of faith, sincere, focused. But ultimately, what she saw was only the impossibility of the situation. In verse 39, Jesus says, take the stone away. But, Lord said Martha by this time there is will be a bad order for he has been dead for four days how many times have you been communicated the truth or you've communicated the truth to someone else and they say ah you really have a good point that is exactly right but <laughs> and then they give their rationale for why they can't move forward Martha said, I believe you are the Son of God, the Messiah, come into the world, which was sincere. But she also looked at the cave, which was a grave that held her brother with a stone across it. And when Jesus said, move the stone, she said, oh Lord, don't. It's going to be a stench. 
we may misunderstand Christ's intention. You see, Martha thought that Jesus wanted to see Lazarus a final time, that is, to view his remains. That was her mindset. And many times in our human understanding, we, we only look at things from our perspective and not God's perspective. We see the situation as we see it, but we are not infinite. We don't see beyond the temporal. So, we might magnify only the problem rather than see Christ's power and his presence in the situation. Martha thought only of a decaying corpse rather than the presence of Christ and his power. Sometimes we do that. We look at a situation and while we know that Jesus could intervene and take care of this situation we don't look at his presence or his power in this situation but I think what Jesus wants us to do is rethink how we view life and how we view things and I think what he wants us to do is not look at it from our perspective but try to have his perspective Try to look at it from his presence and his power to say, I can. I can address the issue if it brings glory to the Father. Not only does he know our possibilities, but Jesus feels deeply about our impossibilities. In verse 38, the scripture says that Jesus once more deeply moved. Remember last week we talked about how, how he was deeply moved and troubled because, from my perspective, not because of Lazarus' death, because he was going to raise him, but because of the grief and the pain that the sisters and the friends and the others who were there were grieving deeply. Here again, when he comes to the tomb and he, he says, the scripture says that once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with stone laid across the entrance. He deeply feels for our impossibilities. He looks at what we go through, and he looks at our mindset and what we understand to be impossible it deeply moves him because he knows it can be possible. Did you see the skepticism in verse 37? The scripture says, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying? Here, here we have the Son of God who had worked numerous miracles already. Coming to this time and this place with all of the pain and the grief, the hurt that's going on. And even he, this amazing rabbi, the Messiah, he's been questioned. In the face of skepticism, the very presence of death 
and human grief that he sensed and understood, Jesus felt a holy indignation. He truly was, as Isaiah 53, 3 says, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He deeply feels our impossibilities, what we cannot do, but what he can do. We also find that Jesus confronts directly our impossibilities. While he feels for us and understands the pain that we go through and we cannot change what is happening in the midst of our life, it's something beyond our control, his presence is there. He feels for us in the midst of that, but also he can confront it. Jesus stood boldly there before that burial cave and he commanded, take away the stone. You can only imagine the ripple effect of everyone who is there. You see, Jesus does only what he can do, but we must do what we can do. He could have made the stone fly away. He had that power. But instead, he commanded mere men to move the stone. So in confronting our impossibilities, because if you understand, there was not anyone there who could raise Lazarus from the dead. But they could do something. And that something is be obedient to the command of Jesus. The one who could raise from the dead. You see, the things that are impossible for us are possible with God, but we need to be obedient to him. Even though we can't see it, I'm sure those men who rolled that stone away thought, what has gotten into this guy? But notice they did it. In confronting the impossibilities, Jesus expects us to do what we can, to be obedient. In this sense, moving the stone. In some of our senses, we're going to have to move forward when we can't see a way. We're going to have to, to intervene and encourage and help. We're going to have to go through some very difficult times, no matter what it is, because we have to do all that we can and let God take care of the rest because He sees the entire picture And that brings us to our second point. Not only does Jesus confront our impossibilities, but we find that Jesus cares by revealing the glory and the power of God. You see, Christ's intention in confronting any problem was to bring glory to God. Not what we're asking, and that's the hard thing. Because we go before God and say, God, we need you to intervene in this situation. But he may not intervene the way that we think we, he ought to. His timing might not be our timing, right? We saw that from this passage in John chapter 11. What we have to come in with a different vantage point is whatever he commands us to do, whatever he desires us to do, as followers in Jesus Christ, we're always to be about the work. But we've got to take everything we do to bring glory to God. 
and not just to satisfy what we think are our needs. Jesus said in verse 40, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? That word see is always used in seeing spiritual and heavenly realities. It's taking us away from physically seeing things to seeing things from God's perspective in a spiritual way, in a heavenly way. John chapter 1, verse 51. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus was not telling his disciples at that time that you will see with your physical eyes, but it's with the spiritual eyes. And all of a sudden, you become so connected with the Father through Jesus Christ. If you begin to see from his perspective things and not our, our lower level viewing, he says you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending. Sights that if we just stay on a human level all of the time, we will not see but if we connect with God, we, we begin to understand. He pulls back the curtains. We see the spiritual battles taking on. We see the movement of God in the life of Jesus, the power of His Spirit. We begin to see in a totally different way. And that's what Jesus was trying to get across. Always understand that He wants first to see His glory and not necessarily the solution to the problem. He wants the glory to go to the Father. Here we find uh, that he wanted Martha to focus upon not the body of Lazarus, but the glory of God. In our difficult situations of life, he wants us to focus on the glory of God, not just the pain and the grief that we're going through. But it will bring about comfort and care if we do that. God's glory is the sum total of His attributes so displayed that He cannot be overlooked, ignored, or avoided. When the glory of God comes upon a situation and we give Him the glory, we focus upon God, I will tell you that there are amazing things because people will say, look at what God has done. Unfortunately, we don't see a lot of that in our world today, at least where I'm standing. But it's there. The opportunity is there. Jesus wants us to understand that no matter the difficult times, we are not to be self-absorbed into our own lives and our own grief and pain, even though we must go through it. He wants us to see from the Father's perspective and give Him the glory, and ushers in this understanding of peace and joy that only He can give in the most difficult times of our life. Part of His glory is the resurrection power. 
The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God. You see what kind of power can come about? For the glory of God. There's not anybody that could legitimately say Jesus was never resurrected. The witnesses are there. God brought about that kind of power, and it's changed lives for over 2,000 years. It changed my life, and I bet that it's changed your life as well. In the face of every problem, Christ intends to reveal his relationship with God. So whatever thing we're going through, whatever problem that we go through, Christ is going to reveal his relationship with God. Christ wants to reveal his unity and communication with the Father. If you look at verse 41, in the midst of this difficult situation, the scripture says, so they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. His prayer was not a request. Rather, it was an expression of thanksgiving. You see, God had already heard him, and yet we go back into Scripture, there wasn't a prayer prayed prior to that that is written down. No, there was an immediate, perfect, uninterrupted unity between the Son and the Father. That's why Jesus could say in John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. Christ also wanted to reveal his unity in mission with the Father. Not only the communication that they are constantly on the same page, but also they have the same mission, the same focus. In verse 42, Jesus said, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus didn't pray to the Father to, to ask him to intervene in that situation. He just gave thanksgiving that he and God are on the same page, God the Father. And that they're in unity of the mission. What is unity? The unity is that the Father sent the Son. He didn't come on his own volition. It was the creator, the godly counsel. <coughs> John makes it clear throughout his gospel that all Christ's words and deeds were to convince us that the Father has sent the Son. It started at his baptism where the Spirit came down like doves and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We see the mighty voice again in, in John chapter 12. There is this unity, a purpose. And that is to provide salvation for every single person who has ever been created and born. Amen. Hmm. 
Jesus said in John 12, 30, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. And that's when he was speaking to the people in the next chapter. And God spoke. And the people that he was teaching heard the thunder. Not sure they understood the words. But Jesus said, this voice that came from God, like at his baptism, shows that we are on the same page for you. We see this in John 17, John 18, John 20. It is a common theme. Here, in the face of Lazarus' resurrection, no one can le could legitimately doubt that Christ was sent by the Father. There are so many witnesses right around that tomb that when Jesus spoke and said, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus came forth, there was no arguing with that. The Pharisees and the spiritual leaders could not deny that. He had been dead for four days. And yes, I do believe that there was quite the stench when they opened that stone as an exclamation point of what Jesus did. Lazarus was not just sleeping. Last, we see that Jesus cares by demonstrating God's power. He demonstrates, Jesus demonstrates the power of God by his word alone. In verse 43, the scripture says, Jesus called out in a loud voice. When we say that, when we read it, we don't put a lot of emphasis on it. But that word called usually refers to the shout of a large crowd. It was about this time, maybe a, a week or two earlier, back in 1999, that uh, Debbie and I had the opportunity, because of where she worked, to be right behind um, the, uh, the batter's box, the catcher, at Safeco Field at that time. The Seattle Mariners had just won their record-setting 116th game of the year. She and I stood with 40-plus thousand others in Safeco Field, and the noise was so loud. Honestly, I could not even hear myself think. Now, I had heard that term throughout the years, but I experienced it there. I just couldn't, it just was so loud, I could not even think. You just watched. Four times this word called is used by John concerning the crowd who continued to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him it was a large a large and loud group of people a crowd that continued to hound Pilate to turn Jesus over now <coughs> that kind of changes that term Jesus 
called in a loud voice. It was booming. Maybe that's where we got the phrase that he could awaken the dead. I don't know. <laughs> but it was a powerful statement. When men cried out, it resulted in the death of Jesus. When Jesus Christ cried out, it resulted in life to the resurrection of Lazarus. All three of the resurrections performed by Christ, all three of them were accompanied by his word alone. In Mark chapter 5, verse 42, immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. It was Jesus that brought her back. In Luke chapter 7, and verse 14, the scripture says, Then he went up and touched the bed that they were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the young man got up. He cried out to Lazarus. Lazarus came out of the tomb. I want you to know that our own resurrection on the last day will be accomplished by the call of Jesus Christ's voice alone. In John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. We look forward to that day. The voice called out. We see the power of God through the word of Jesus. We also find that Jesus demonstrated the power of God for his purpose alone. You see, Jesus cares for us, meaning he cares for each and every one of you. You say, yeah, I know that. But he really does. On all three occasions of people that he resurrected, his first interest was the person. When the scripture says that, that he knows when a bird falls from the sky and he knows how many hairs you have on your head, he, meaning he knows you. He knows everything about you. And he cares for you. Specifically. His purpose in the resurrection of Lazarus was not for speculation. Rather, it was belief. When Lazarus was resurrected, as if you look at that scene, you, you find that he did not say a word. You remember there were other healings that took place that people went and told what happened to them. But Lazarus, if you look at this passage, you find that there was no sensationalism. There was not this big declaration, you know, come to this time and, and you'll see a healing take place. Healings take place, the power of God is experienced for his purpose alone. And his purpose was to bring Lazarus to life to show everybody there the power of God through Jesus. 
The simple doing of the deed showed Jesus' divinity and humanity. What's interesting in this passage is that Lazarus brought his grave clothes out of the tomb. Scripture said he still had them all on. <laughs> well, he, he was going back to the tomb at some point. He was going to need them. <laughs> when Jesus Christ arose, he left all that they had buried him on, all the linens, the shroud, he left it in the tomb because he wasn't going to need them ever again. When he calls for us in the resurrection, we too are going to leave our grave clothes behind because we are not ever going to need them ourselves again. We're going to have this heavenly dwelling. And so we ask the question, in the midst of the most difficult times of life, when sometimes we're not sure we want to get up the next day, or if we do get up, it is so painful, either physically or having to face the issues of the day. We ask the question, really? Does Jesus really care? I like what the songwriter said that we've spoken of through this series. Does Jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear? And as the daylight fades into the dark and shade, does he care enough to be near? Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it aught for him? Does he see? Does he care? Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched by my grief. When the days are weary, the long night dreary, I know my Savior cares. I know he cares for me. That is for you, because he cares for you. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, I just ask that whatever pain and, and whatever sorrow and whatever hurt, whatever issue we are dealing with in life, we are not alone. This passage in John chapter 11 has given us hope and encouragement that you do care. That we understand how you care with every situation that happened in this, in this passage dealing with Lazarus and Mary and Martha and others. And God, I pray that through this we'll be able to understand and make, make the transition from this passage in John that those lessons and the truths transfer to our lives. And God, I pray that whatever decisions we need to make or whatever we need to turn over to you, 
whatever we're holding on with the overwhelming understanding that it's impossible for us that it's possible for you if we'll just look at things from your perspective and see what you're doing and God we're willing to give the glory to God and move outside of our own circumstance knowing that even in our circumstance you're going to be with us so this morning thank you for caring thank you for demonstrating your care and help us not only believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God that's come into this world but you are the resurrection and the life and that God you will move in our lives as we allow you to but help us to do all that we must and let you take care of the rest and believe that you will so whatever rededications we make right now while we're seated and father for those today that desire to give their lives to Christ a desire to come and be a part of this fellowship we we ask God as you've spoken with them that we would give you glory and honor for all who come in the name of Jesus we pray Please stand. Let's sing our invitation.
If you'd go ahead and be seated for just a moment, please. There are sign-up sheets in both the small and main lobby this morning. Men, if you are planning to participate in the Men's Fellowship Breakfast Tuesday morning at 8, this would be your last time to sign up for that, so please take advantage of that sign-up sheet. <clears throat> Chuck Morrison will be the speaker for Tuesday morning as you enjoy a time of fellowship and a wonderful breakfast, so I'm told. <laughs> I know it will be next Saturday. Women will be the kickoff luncheon for the Fall Women's Bible Study. You will not want to miss that, but we do invite you to bring a salad to share. That will be from 11 o'clock until 1 on Saturday in the CLC. You'll see on the back of the bulletin the Bible study for men and women start on October the 12th. Amos for the women and Elisha for the men. There are sign-up sheets for both of those. As well as on October 18th on Wednesday, there's a sign-up for you men to enjoy hamburgers and hot dogs. And then bring your favorite card game or table game to share afterwards. The beautiful flowers on the altar table today are given by our friends down here who Dr. Kennedy is going to introduce in just a moment. Bob and Jerry Whelan, in celebration of their 65th wedding anniversary, which they celebrated last month. Thank you, Bob and Jerry. The flowers are beautiful. We appreciate it. Nancy, I can tell you that the men's breakfast is excellent <laughs> from one who has enjoyed it, yes. <laughs> it's good to have uh, Chuck and Ruth back, Morrison. They've been on a two-week mission, uh, and uh, Chuck, we hope to hear a little bit about that at the men's breakfast. So thank you for being here. We've been praying for you, and uh, did get a report back from your daughter who serves there uh, about a good, how God worked in a powerful way. Hey, Bob, come here just a second, or for a minute. <laughs> this is Bob Whelan, and many of you know Bob. Um, Bob has, uh, has been on our prayer list for a long time, <laughs> and he knows that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Al and, uh, and Bob and I get together for breakfast, I don't know, every few weeks, and uh, we're always, always chatting, always talking about, uh, about Christ, about uh, uh, what he means, uh, what it means to accept him as Savior, uh, just all kinds of things. And uh, this morning, Bob comes uh, and uh, just to publicly say, I have given my life to Christ, and I want to follow through in believer's baptism. He's a stately man, a lot of emotion. <laughs> Jerry, would you come and stand with your, uh, with your husband? Jerry's been praying for him for 65 or so years. <laughs> oh, we are so excited about your decision, Bob. Um, as is Good Baptist tradition, all in favor of accepting him, if you would show that by the sign I. If you're against that, the sign no. All right. Bob, in just a few moments, our folks are going to come around and give you the right hand of Christian fellowship. 
And that means basically that uh, two things. One is welcome to your church family, officially. <laughs> and secondly, we're going to be praying uh, for you and working beside you in these days ahead, okay? All right, I'll look forward to that. And um, well, I think that's probably it. <laughs> Who's praying today? Would you stand as we have our closing prayer? Jim Jasper is going to come and lead us. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Smile. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, you alone are worthy of our all honor and praise. Lord, you are the great creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the Alpha and the Omega. Lord, we confess that our thoughts of you are too small and too seldom, but thank you for filling our cup up today with the praise and worship through song and for Pastor Kennedy's message. Thank you for reminding us that it's all about you, Jesus. Now as we go from the church gathered to the church gathered, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might share your love through our words and actions with those we come into contact this week. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. 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 Thank you. Oh, good. Yeah. They were leaving the day that was on the road.